0: Every one of those dots is a church but they're just buildings. When did church become synonymous with buildings instead of people? When did church become something we go to worship in and then leave? Take away every church building in the world and the church will remain unchanged. Church is people. We see church every day, everywhere, don't even know it. We see it in unexpected acts of kindness, in small moments of service and love. We see church in welcoming smiles, but also in grimaces of pain, burdens that are borne by friends. The real church is rarely flashy or eye-catching. What if we saw a church for what it is? What if we dreamt about the kind of church that we could be together? Let's talk about the church. That we want to be, the church that God is calling us to be. When I look at us, I see past the buildings. I see a church. Well, good morning.
1: My name is Josh Walters. I'm the campus pastor here at the Mount Pleasant campus, one of the teaching pastors here at Seacoast. And we are so glad that you're here to worship with us this weekend. I want to welcome you if you're joining us online or in the chapel or at an offsite campus, wherever you happen to be, we are excited that you are here as well. For the last couple weeks, we've been in a series called I See a Church, where we've been looking back at some of the values that have defined us over the last 26 years and really clarifying who we believe God has called us to be as a church as we move forward. It's been an exciting series, because not only have we been talking about those values here on the weekend, but we provided you with the workbooks and video curriculum to be able to pull together as small groups and process what does this look like personally for you in your own life. In fact, in kicking off this series, there were close to 500 new small groups that started, which represent close to 4,000 people that are experiencing community for the first time. Is that something we can celebrate as a church? That's just awesome. It's so great. Our goal in doing these small group series is that we would see 75% of our church across all of our campuses plugged in and engaged in community. And the way that we gauge how effective we've been at providing you with the uh, resources and content and helping you plug in to groups is kind of similar to that of those of you who have kids that bring home a uh, report card or interim report of some kind where the teacher fills out and makes some notes on their report card. But instead of some pastors pulling together To process how we've done together, we've asked you to serve as the teacher and fill out our report card for us. So today as you came in across all of our campuses, there was this I See a Church group survey card. And whether today is your first time here at Seacoast or if you've been here for a long time, if you were in an I See a Church small group or not, we would ask that you take just a minute to fill this out and you'll be able to drop it off in some baskets by the door across all of our campuses as you leave. And we'll be able to compile that and best serve you and, and help you get connected the next time we do a series like this. Can you do that for me? Okay. Excellent. All right, let me pray for us and we'll get started. God, we thank you so much for this weekend. We praise you for the privilege of this time to come together as a family. I pray that our hearts and minds would be open and receptive uh, to all that you would want to do in us and through us. We praise you for this time. ask that your word not return void in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's two different ways to build a championship ball team. Believe it or not, I was actually a bit of a baller myself growing up. Star athlete might be a stretch, but I played AAU basketball growing up. I played basketball in high school. Uh, I was actually an All-American in high school. Um, Well, that's what my mom told me. The school never actually acknowledged that. I think the uh, papers got lost in the mail, something, whatever the case. but uh, in preparing for this this message today, I was not reminded of my basketball career because I did not have one. Stephen, will you hold this for me? Uh, but I was reminded of the NBA championship series uh, this past summer. It pitted two teams together with totally different philosophies. On, on a foundational level, the way they were built was totally different. The first of which was the Miami Heat. Just a couple of years ago, the Heat decided that they were going to put all of their financial eggs in the superstar basket. So they went after three superstars, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosch. They used the rest of their finances to bring together several guys that were talented uh, but significantly less expensive. And you could be certain if the game was close, if they were needing to pull out a win, the ball was going to be in the hand of one of these three superstars to see if they they could come away with a win. They were a team that was built on the gifts of a few. The team that they were up against was the San Antonio Spurs. They were a totally different ball team in that they had disciplined themselves to play as a team. On any given night, you didn't know which player would show up, Duncan or Ginobili or Bonner or Green. You didn't know who was going to show up with a hot hand, and the team had to, to learn to resource them, to pump them the ball, or maybe all pull together to get some points so that they could come away with the win. The Spurs were a team that was built upon the sacrifices of many. Well, as that series ended, the Spurs ended up beating the Heat by an average of 20 points per game and went on to win the championship. Well, when the season ended this past year, several of those superstars became free agents. And the buzzword that was kind of going around on ESPN or in talk radio was this, this word max contract. Several of these superstars were kind of at the point in their career where they could request to be paid the maximum that you can pay an individual player. So every couple of days, you would hear about which player went to which team and the, uh, the offer that they happened to get or where they were going and while all that was going on kind of behind the scenes, Tim Duncan had gone to his coaching staff and let them know that he was willing to cut his salary in half so that they could invest in the rest of the team and bring on a few other players to help position them for the future. So he went from making somewhere around $23 million to just over $11 million a year. So I know he would appreciate it if we as a church would keep him in our prayers <laughs> this year just <laughs> for that sacrifice. <laughs> that sacrifice that he made. I got a feeling, though, because of that sacrifice, they're going to be holding another championship parade in San Antonio later this year. You know, as I think about the value that we're talking about today, I see a church that's built on the sacrifices of many, not just the gifts of a few. I'm reminded that from the very beginning, Seacoast has always been a church built upon the sacrifices of many, thousands of people that have given of their time and their talents and their treasure, that their lives would be used by God in the authoring of a story much greater than themselves. And see, while there's several different ways to build a championship team, there's only one way to build a church. And God makes it very clear that He, in fact, is the builder, that He is the architect. And He's provided us with a, a word picture or a metaphor in Scripture to help us understand if we're experiencing the kind of church, the vision of the church that He had in mind. That metaphor is found in 1 Corinthians 12 there on your outlines. that says this. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand. Now let's stop right there. If your foot ever says anything to you, (laughs) you need to call somebody. Don't get behind the wheel of an automobile. It needs to be somebody you trust because they will make fun of you (laughs) in the future. I thought that would be funny. All right. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. If you were to take just a minute to look around here at the Mount Pleasant campus or whatever campus that you happen to be in, God's desire, his vision for the church is that every single one of us would be a part of it. Not a part of it as in it's where we regularly attend on Sundays and we're here and we we take up a seat, but a part of it, much like my arm, is a part of my body. The role that he's called for me to play, the, the, the position he's called for me to serve in is integral if we are going to experience the quality of life and have the scope of impact uh, that he had in mind for his church. That said, God's vision for his church and our present reality present us with several different things to consider. The first of which, Seacoast as a church is 26 years old. We could rent a car now if we wanted to. That's just exciting. Maybe you're encouraged <laughs> by that. But in 26 years, man, we've gone through some growing pains. We went from being a church of 30 or 40 people, a core group that launched, to a church of 13 or 14,000 people. We went from one service in one location to dozens of services in 12 different locations. It's normal now at Church Online every single weekend for us to have every state in the U.S. represented in over 100 countries around the world. God's given us a, a front row. That's something to celebrate. It's awesome. God's given us a front row seat on the miraculous, literally. This past weekend, we had a baptism here at the Mount Pleasant campus out of the ocean, and there were 125 people that took that next step of faith that their lives would be identified with Christ. People ages 9 to 79 and everywhere in between. He's really allowed us to see the impossible accomplished in people's lives, lives transformed. He's given us influences in our community and all around the world. We've been on hundreds of missions trips providing clean water and medical and education and training to countless people in need. He's given us the systems and structures and technology to accomplish everything that he's called us to do, all the while allowing each of us every single week to experience his power and presence for ourselves. How many of you would agree that it's good to be 26? Yes, it is awesome. It is awesome. That said, here in all of our campuses, if we were to break into small groups today, Going back to the vision that God had in mind for his church, that every single one of us would play a part, I've got a feeling that a lot of us wouldn't be quite sure as to which part God has called us to play. How would he have me serve? What's what's the role that he had in mind for me here in the local church? Well, because of that, now more than ever, it's critical that we go back to the vision that Pastor Greg had in the planning of Seacoast. It's critical that we go back to the vision that God had in the building of this church, if we're going to experience the life that's available for us. So today, three essential truths about God's church, the first of which there on your outline. In God's church, every person has a role. Every person has has a role. Now, for some of you today, in hearing that, you would say, well, Josh, you don't know my story, man. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm going through right now, uh, the relationship I'm in or the relationships I'm in. You don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I did this morning. I don't know that you want me serving in a role, you know? And, And you're probably right. I don't know your story. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you've been through. But here's what I do know. Oftentimes, God sees us very differently than we see ourselves and the story that's outlined for us in scripture of the, of the people that we were supposed to be and the things that we were supposed to do is often a very, stor- a very different story than we would script on our own. There's two passages in particular that seem to catch the essence of this story. And if you've heard me preach before, there's a chance you've heard both of them because they very much serve as anchor verses, life verses for me that remind me of the purpose that God has for my life. The first of which is Ephesians 2.10. There in your outlines it says this. For we are God's handiwork, everybody say handiwork, Handiwork. created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God had prepared in advance for us to do. Now, depending on the translation that you use, some translations actually say that we are his masterpiece. When we were formed and fashioned, when we were shaped and molded into his image, according to Genesis 127, he made every single one of us, not with one of his other children in mind, every single one of us were unique. God created us in his image with a vision, with a purpose in mind. He looked on us with great delight. This is the reason that in the rebranding of our student ministry, Pastor John Holmes felt like this was the single greatest truth that students of the next generation needed to hear. That's why it's called custom student ministry. I've often heard him say that many are born unique but die a copy. Man, we look at, we look at students and see the time that they spend, the time that they waste, wishing and desiring that they had the gifts or attributes of someone else, and we just want to shake them. Say, man, you are unique. God delights in you. He created you just as he wants you to be, and we need you to be you. Well, the tragedy for many of us as adults is as we grow older, it's not as easy to see. Uh, We stop talking about it. It's not as easily discerned. But many of us still waste days, weeks, years of our lives wishing that we had the gifts or attributes of another When God created us unique for a purpose, he has a role for us to play. He goes on to say that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God had prepared in advance for us to do. So this is the what, which is kind of the million dollar question. Everybody wants to know, well what what am I supposed to do? What role would he have me fill? The first thing that we need to know is that the what is birthed in the who. The value that you bring to our church isn't based on your resume. It's not based on your skills or experience or anything that you could bring to the table. Your value as a person is rooted in who your creator is. The fact that he made you in his image, that he's placed you here, you have incredible value. As to what he has prepared works for you to do that you don't have to exhaust yourself looking for. You can begin today, right now where you're at. You can take a step into what he has for you. Second verse there is Acts seventeen twenty six. It says this, from one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Some translations say he marked out set times and exact places. Now think about this. Had God placed you in Mount Pleasant or at any of our campuses, say, 27 years ago, there, wasn't a, there wouldn't have been a Seacoast church for you to connect to. You know? He purposed this time. In this place, had he sent you here 40 years ago, you'd have rolled up in bell bottoms, maybe had an afro, looking like a hot mess, trying to connect with a local church. But he chose this place. He chose this time for you to connect. It says he marked out set times and exact locations. And that just blows my mind. Because that means God knew your street address before the land that you lived on was even developed. He knew where you were going to be. Your born on and expiration date were determined by him. We like to think that our our future is at the farthest horizon, that we're going to experience every season of life, grow up and get married and have kids and experience grandkids, but we're not promised that. The only thing we have is today, which is why we need to live with a sense of urgency to fight for the life that God has for us, to go after all he has for us, to step into the role that he has for us. He he mapped out our our set times and our exact locations. That means your neighbors are purposed by God. The neighbors that always leave their car parked in the road. They don't cut their grass as much as you would like them to. The neighbors like the Walters kids who are running around without all their clothes on embarrass you. you Those people are all purposed by God. He's positioned you where you are, when you are, for a reason, for a purpose in mind. This past weekend, a single mom visited the Mount Pleasant campus, and she had five kids under seven. That was just, just remarkable to me. Katie and I have five kids, and we have a no-child-left-behind act at home. I tell her, you can go anywhere you want to, but you're taking somebody with you. I can't take care of all these kids by myself. It's just not, not going to happen. <laughs> you know? So this single mom shows up here, and Ron Fontenot, who serves on our parking team, was in the parking lot wearing a vest and having a wand so that you didn't you know, mistake him for a cone and hit him. And he, he directed her in the first-time guest parking space, at which point Steve McCullough and his wife, who serve on our VIP team, walked out to meet her at the car. They got all of the kids out of the car on time, which, you know, we need to have some kind of award for a mom like that showing up on time. They walk inside, they get to the Kids Coast kiosk at which there's a volunteer there to help her get the kids checked in. There's also two kids who serve in our Nerve to Serve program, which is kids who are in third grade or older that want to start attending a service and serving a service. Those two kids jump in with the mom and some of her older kids, and they go off to the other Kids Coast environments. At that point, they've kind of become friends a little bit, so the older kids were able to settle in their environments a little bit easier than it might have been otherwise. At which point, Steve walked her into the worship center. She was introduced to an usher who helped her find a seat. Now here's the thought for us. If God has a role for every single one of us, why would he have not positioned every single one of those people along the way just so that he could get that mom in the worship center to communicate to her, sweetheart, I see you and I love you. And I've positioned people around you to support you and resource you. Allowing her to experience the power and presence of God. See, all too often, we don't get to see how all the dots connect. We don't get to see how God uses the role that we serve in to forever impact someone's life. But be certain, if we don't step into the role that he has for us, if we don't play the part that he's called for us to play, then week in and week out, people are going to miss out on the opportunity to experience the power and presence of God. Because before they ever get into any, any worship center or worship environment to hear his word, they experience his word from the time they pull in our parking lot. By the way, each of us step into the role that God has called us to play. So in God's church, every person has a role. Number two there on your outline, every role involves sacrifice, Every role involves sacrifice. Now, what if we had ended our service last week by saying, All right, man, what a great weekend. We were so glad that you were here to worship with us. Make sure you come back week, next weekend where we're going to be talking about sacrifice, how you can give up or forfeit the things in your life that you love most. We'll see you next weekend. <laughs> it's like, man, we would have had epic crowds up in here that stayed home, you know, people that wouldn't have come. Hey, babe, it's the last weekend of summer. Did you want to head up the beach today? You know, what should we do? like, man, nobody gets excited about talking about sacrifice. Just the word itself implies the forfeiting of things that we love or enjoy for the good of someone else. It's just not a word that gets us going. But in order for us to understand what God had had in mind for his church, what what he has in mind for each of us as we step into the role that he has for us, we've got to redefine that word just a little bit. So there on your outlines it says this. Sacrifice is giving up something that we love for something that we love even more. Giving up something that we love for something that we love even more. Now, how many of you here are married? A bunch of folks here married. I remember when I was in college and I met Katie. Man, I loved college life. I would uh, play intramural sports, go to just about every sporting event, the random guys trips. It's 10 o'clock at night and we're getting ready for bed and one of the guys are like, man, let's go on a ski trip. I was like, yeah. We pack up some macaroni and loaf bread and hit the road, you know? It's just awesome. (laughs) I loved everything about it. And then one day I met Katie and I came home and I told my roommates, guys, I'm going to marry that girl. And they're like, whatever, dude. Shut up, man. No, you're not. (laughs) I didn't weigh the scales, but I, I desired a future with her. The idea of living in a covenant relationship with her for the rest of my life, man. I was willing to give up some things that I love for something that I loved even more. Or for those of you who have kids, you'd been married for a while, things were going good, decided it's time to expand our quiver. You know, we're going to have some kids. So you start praying about it, and all of a sudden, a kid is born. You've got the nursery all ready, the room painted, the crib, the, the diapers and the wipes, and the wipe warmer. I don't know what that's about. You bring the baby in. And the concept of free time is out the door. You know, The idea of playing golf a couple times a week, you ain't doing that no more. You, know? you can do that, but you're going to be up at the church with some marriage counseling with Pastor Chip because you didn't understand the sacrifice you were making. All the ladies said, amen, amen. You know? But you were willing to give up something that you love for something that you love even more. I'm reminded of a conversation in Matthew chapter 19 that a young man had with Jesus. It says this, "'Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, "'Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? "'Why do you ask me about what is good?' Jesus replied. "'There is only one who is good. "'If you want to enter life, keep the commandments.' "'Well, which ones?' he inquired. "'Jesus replied, you shall not murder, "'you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, "'shall not give false testimony, "'honor your father and mother, "'and love your neighbor as yourself. "'All these I have kept,' the young man said. "'What do I still lack?' Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, I want you to to picture the young man's life up until this encounter with Jesus. He was aware of the commandments. In fact, when Jesus laid out the things that he was supposed to do, his response was, whew, you know, well, good, I've I've kept all those since I was a young boy. Uh, What else do I lack? He had showed up every week. He was walking the walk, doing what he thought he needed to do in order to honor God with his life. Yet at some point, the scales had turned because when Jesus asked him to give up something that he loved, money, for something that he loved even more, God, he had to walk away sad because that that item, the money in his life, had grown so dear to his heart that when asked to give it up, he couldn't do it. So, what about you? If you were to go out to lunch today, leave church and hit up a Moe's and happen to run into Jesus, y'all didn't know Jesus liked Moe's, but he does. He likes the home wreckers. I do too. You show up, Jesus is at Moe's, y'all have a conversation, and he he asks you for something, maybe a, a possession or a position, a relationship. Is there anything in your life that if Jesus were to ask you to get up, you would struggle to do, that you would walk away sad? See, here's what I know. Scripture says that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come, Jesus has come, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He is a loving Father, a good Dad, and you can be certain that anything that he asks you to give up, any sacrifice that you would make is for your good so that you might experience the life that he came to offer. So in God's church, every person has a role. Number two, every role involves sacrifice, and number three, on the back of your outline, Every sacrifice leads to a blessed life. Every sacrifice leads to a blessed life. The road to a blessed life is paved by sacrifice. This is why scripture says, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's counterintuitive. It does not seem to be right, but it is. The Bible tells us there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. We would think, you you would not think that by sacrificing the things that you want, you would get the very things that you desire. But that's what Scripture tells us in every area of our life, one of which is in our finances. In Malachi 3.10, it says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which is 10% of our income. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. He says, test me in this. Just try me. Obey me in this small way and see if I don't dump truck you with blessing. Another passage is in Matthew chapter 29. And this is actually the conclusion of the conversation that Jesus has with that rich young man. Typically when I think about that story, I kind of stop when he walked away sad to kind of evaluate my heart. But it's at that point that Jesus kind of turns the table on the disciples. That they would really understand the, the nature of sacrifice and blessing and how those come into our lives. It says this, and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother. Y'all didn't even know that was possible, did you? Give away your mama. I'm telling you. <laughs> He's trying to make a point, okay? Anybody who gives away children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. So what he's saying here is both in this age, anything that you respond in obedience to, anything that I might ask you for that you say, yes, God, yes, Lord, I will lay that down. Yes, God, I will give that over to you. Yes, God, I will do as you have asked of me. Anything you say yes to him about will reap blessing in this age, in this life, but will also inherit you eternal life in the life to come. You can be certain anything that you give up for his name will reap, will bring about blessing in your life. So in God's church, every person has a role. Every role involves sacrifice, and every sacrifice leads to a blessed life. So the next question for us then is, well, how do I find my role? Practically, how do I get plugged in or connected? How do I start going after whatever it is that God has for me? Three things as we close, the first of which is to join the dream team. Join the dream team. The dream team is everybody that serves at Seacoast in any capacity. From the parking lot to the platform and everywhere in between, it's an army of people committed to creating environments and experiences where people can can experience or feel the power and presence of God. That somehow, in some way, God would use all of our contributions to transform the lives of people. The easiest way that you could join the Dream Team is by going through the inside track. Uh, Some of you have probably been here for a long time, and you kind of feel connected, and you say, well, I don't know why I need to go through the inside track, primarily for the people that are going to come after you. If you invite a friend or neighbor or somebody to come to church and there comes a point where they're like, man, I love it here. This is great. How do I get connected? And you can say, well, you can check out that inside track deal. And they're going to say, well, what's the inside track? And you're going to say, well, I don't know. I have not been through it. <laughs> you know? So go through it so that you can help connect and plug in the people that you're going to invite and come after you. Or if you're brand new here, you could go through the inside track and you'll learn a lot more about Seacoast. uh, Take a spiritual gifts assessment, find out what strengths do you have and help you get plugged in and connecting you here at the church. You could do it individually, but you could also do it as a small group. Healthy small groups serve, whether it's once once a month, once a quarter, whatever works best for your rhythm as a small group. Recently, I caught up with a, a small group that had just started serving. I want you to hear a little bit about their experience.
0: I've been in small groups before, and what we did was met together once a week, went over the book, went home, that's it. And I feel like serving, you get to know each other and just grow your relationship deeper with one another, so I think that's really important to be able to connect in that way. Good morning. How are you guys? I think at the
1: beginning, there's nervousness because you don't want to step outside your comfort zone, but I think as it went along, you know, the more you're with your small group, the more you figure, hey, you have to start start doing some life together. It's definitely drawn us closer together. Absolutely, it's drawn us closer together. Um, and it also gives us something to look forward to. It's uh, you know,
0: it feels good to, to to do stuff for the community.
1: It brings our um, our group closer
0: to get out and just do fun things together. Serve. We just go out and have fun together and just get to know each other so much better than just sitting around always in a like exact study. The reason that we're in a small group is to help ourselves, um,
1: I think, push ourselves a little bit further in our faith and our growth, um, and I think getting out and doing that together helps us kind of put that in action, kind of put our faith in action. Nothing brings you together deeper than, than doing something together for a greater
0: purpose. It's, it, we love it.
1: I love it. So you could join the dream team. Be open-handed with wherever and however God might want to use you to impact the life of someone else. Second thing that you can do to find your role is to serve in your community, to serve in your community. Now, for thousands of us here in the Lowcountry, the absolute best way to do that is by partnering with the Dream Center. It is unbelievable the amount of ministry that goes on there with very limited resources. There's a dental clinic, a medical clinic, a clothes closet, a food pantry, a mentoring program, I had lunch this past week with the principal at North Charleston High School, and all he could talk about was the fruit of the mentoring program, the change that it brought about in the lives of students. The absolute best way to give of your time and talents and treasure is to partner with them in all God's doing at the Dream Center. We're about to open up one near our West Ashley campus at some point later this year, so there's tons of opportunities to connect there. If you're at one of our distant campuses, you can partner with local ministry partners. Your campus pastor will tell you about who those are, but for each of us, we can be certain that God has called us to represent him, to be his ambassador, not just when we gather here on the weekends as a church family, but all throughout the week as we go where he's called us to, to represent him. So we can join the dream team, we can serve in our community, and lastly, we could pray, give, or go on global missions, global missions. You'll notice these kind of track within the church and community and the world which follows suit with the vision or mission that Jesus laid out in the Great Commission, that we would go and make disciples of all nations in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Some of you might say, well, man, I'm scared of flying, dude. Like, I gotta be heavily medicated and it ain't gonna be no good, you know? But our missions pastor, Jason Surratt, he's terrified of flying too. You know, so God, that may be a hurdle you need to get over, uh, but God will use you. But for all of us, God has given us the mantle to carry to have a heart for the nations. So for you, that might start just by praying for them, identifying a place uh, that you've seen or that you like or that God just puts on your heart and commit to praying for those people and what God's doing there. Another thing that you could do is to give. We go on about 35 different trips a year of all kinds, and there's hundreds of people who are willing to go, but one of the primary obstacles keeping them from going is finances. A portion of every dollar that's given here at Seacoast goes towards church planning and our global initiatives, what, we're, what God's doing uh, around the world. But, man, you can be certain if you give supporting people to go on, on global missions, it's a huge blessing for them. Or lastly, you could go. You could step up to be a part of uh, what we're doing all around the world. And all of our trips, they're not a one-and-done kind of experience. We partner with local churches on the ground so that we can go and resource and support what it is that they're doing so that when we leave, ministry continues and lives are transformed. God has a role for every single one of us. Stephen, can I get that ball back from you? You know, when Seacoast was planted, it was very clear the role or the part that God had for each person to play. Every weekend when we gathered as a family, there was a small group of people and enabled able to in order to to pull off church, to allow people to experience his power and and presence. Man, it took the whole family pulling in. Everybody jumping in to serve a role. Man, as we've grown, it's become a little cloudy as to maybe what role you should play, a little uncertain as to how should you serve or get involved, but be certain for each of us. If we're gonna experience the quality of life that God had in mind, if we're gonna experience the scope of impact that we could have in all of our communities as a church, then it demands that we step into the role that God has for each of us. His vision, his desire is that every single one of us play a part, that each of us contribute, that all of us partner together in seeing him transform people's lives. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this time together. We praise you, God, for the privilege that it is to come together as a church family. We're thankful, God, that you are willing to use each of us, not those of us who have good church attendance or whose lives are tidy, but those of us that are in the midst of a mess, that you're able to step into our circumstances and use us even then. So God, I pray for every single one of us that today you would begin to grip our hearts, stir in us, give us a a vision of the role that you have for us, ultimately, God, so that our lives might be transformed, but then that we might serve out of an overflow of what you do in us that every single one of us will be able to step into the role, step into the part that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.